you have your Bibles with you today, let's open up the book of Acts, Acts chapter 1. We're in a series that we've called The Ghost, as we're looking at the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost, and uh, as you're getting your Bible out, so I was just kind of curious about something. How many of you would say that you are familiar with or you know someone who is a Christian who just seems like they have more spiritual power than you do? You've been around those people and they're like, they have a lot of power. You've been around people like that? few of you have. Some of you are afraid to raise your hand, but that's okay. I, I mean, I've been around people like that. I'm like, I've been in this room with somebody. I'm like, why do they seem like they have more power than I have? Sometimes you see other people and it seem like they have more spirituality or they just seem like God is more connected to them. Like when they pray, they pray so powerful that if you're like, if I was God, I'd be answering their prayer. Because you know, wow, that prayer that they just prayed was so strong. Or others, you've been in a conversation with somebody, and they don't have their Bible to open. All of a sudden, they just start quoting. Well, the Bible says it this, and it says this, and it says this. And sometimes you're like, does it really say that? And if you can check up on them, you're like, oh my goodness, how do they know that much Scripture? It's just oozing out of them. For some, you've been around people sometimes where they're walking through a train wreck of life and they don't seem shaken at all. They just seem like they have deep spiritual roots and they're like, yep, things are going crazy around me, but they're just stable and they're content and they're making it through the journey of life. We've all been around people probably at some time or another, you're like, I wish I was as spiritual as them. I wish I had what they have. I wish my walk with God was that deep. And you wonder, how is that? How could that be? Do they have more power? The answer could be that they have more power than you do. It's possible. The answer could be that they're a little bit more connected. I believe there are many people who are more surrendered to the power that is available to God through the Holy Spirit than others. There are some who have just made that connection. They have learned how to surrender their life. And sometimes they've been on the journey for a long time. And it's been a life of learning how to surrender their life. Let me explain it to you this way. When I was a youth minister, about the age of 27, we decided to take the, tr- the kids on a trip to Mexico and do some construction work. And there in Mexico, we stayed at a church there. It was not, not much of a space. I think their entire church would, would probably fit inside of this room right here, their restrooms and everything. We put cots out, and we stayed there for the entire week. Not a comfortable setting. They had one bathroom that we kind of share amongst about 40 people, and it was, it was kind of crowded. I think I got two showers that week as you snuck in for a quick couple minutes to rinse off. But they would, we'd wake up in the morning after breakfast. They would send us out to projects, and I was sent on the project, and I don't know why, probably because I was younger, and they went, hey, you're young, you're a man, you can handle this. And so I was in that group that was going to help build two houses. And so we were divided in two groups, building houses side by side out of cinder block, and the amazing thing was we pull up there and the foundation's already ready and they're ready for us to start raising some cinder block walls for the outside of these two houses. And they said, this is going to be your project for the week and we really hope you can get it all done by the end of this week because the next group that comes in is going to finish the inside and hopefully get it under roof. And they said, right over there is a pile of rocks, a pile of sand, a pile of cement. There's your wheelbarrows. You guys start mixing and you'll start building your walls. And I was like, are they serious? And luckily, we had some brawly built guys with us, and they're like, let's go. They put the gloves on, they grab the shovel, and they start putting in a wheelbarrow, and we're adding water, and we're mixing. Who's ever mixed? This is not quickcrete you buy at Walmart or buy at Home Depot. It's not that. This is like you got to mix it, have the right amount. Who's ever mixed cement that way, concrete that way? That's hard work. That's real hard work. And for us, 
Americans who, you know, are not used to that kind of hard labor, <laughs> um, that was really tough. And about an hour in, we were looking at each other like, we're not going to get very far doing it this way. As we're struggling to just get the first mix going and starting to put down a block or two here or there, and it's getting noonish, and you're like, this is, this is crazy because it's hot out here. And so we started saying, hey, is there a cement truck somewhere around here? And they're like, dude, we don't have cement trucks, not, not here in Mexico. That's not going to happen. How about, how about something that can mix up the cement? Well, I, we think there's one maybe in town, but if it's not being used, maybe you can get your hands on it. And so we sent some people kind of on a journey, said, you got to get your hands on that thing. we got to have the cement mixer. Lo and behold, Jesus shined down on us, and we found a cement mixer. <laughs> and life started to change. We had some power now. We started throwing that, that, the cement in there. We started throwing the sand in there, the gravel in there, water. It's mixing. We started getting things moved. And by the end of the week, we were able to then raise the walls for the outside of these two houses. But we would have never done that in our own strength with our gloves on and, and us shoveling and us mixing because just a few hours of that, my shoulders were killing me. My hands were killing me. Everybody was looking at each other like, Brian, are we really going to do this? No, we got to keep going. We can't quit. We're here to serve these people. But it was becoming impossible on the first day until we had that machine that had a little bit of power, and all of a sudden things started to change. Christians today, all over the world, put on our little gloves, and we grab our shovels, and we start to work, and we start to shovel, and we start to do it in our own power, and we struggle, and we stop because we're trying to live life in our power and not in His trying to live in our own strength, trying to strive and fight the battle, and we don't get very far. Why? Because we're trying to do it in our, in our strength and not in the strength of our Savior. The Bible says this, and it's amazing, that to those of you who believe in Christ, you have the access to the very same Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the grave. Do you understand that? The exact same Spirit that raised Jesus Christ out of the grave is available to us. You can be filled with the power of the Spirit of God and you have the ability to live a supernatural life in a very natural world and yet so many of us slide our little gloves on and grab our little shovel and say, let's get going and we struggle through life. Let's look at Acts chapter 1. Jesus, let me give you a little context here. Jesus has already died on the cross. He rose from the grave. He was with his disciples having a conversation with them before he would ascend into heaven. And here's how the conversation went in Acts chapter 1 verse 4. says, on one occasion while Jesus was eating with the disciples, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father has promised, which you heard me speak about. What do you think that gift was that Jesus was referring to? Holy Spirit, John 14, we talked about that last week, that Jesus said, I'm going to leave and you want me to leave because there's one that's coming that's better than me. That's the Holy Spirit's going to come and you want the Holy Spirit's actually going to be better. And he goes away and then and he says in verse 5, for John, he's referring to John the Baptist, for John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, what does that mean? The Greek word that translated baptize is actually baptizo, and the word means to immerse, to fully plunge somebody or dunk somebody entirely underwater. That's why we have a baptistry, and that's why we baptize people fully to hold you under. Now, some of you, we've held down a little extra long, and some of you are thinking, that's why I haven't got baptized yet, because you're going to have to hold me down real long. 
But you be baptized because that's what the Scriptures teach, and that's what they did in the New Testament. And that word baptism actually means to fully immerse. And this is what Jesus said. He, he didn't just say, you're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. He says, you're going to be baptized. You're going to be filled. You're going to be overwhelmed. You're going to be overcome. You're going to be immersed with the Holy Spirit. And so at that time of uniting with Christ, we're united with the Holy Spirit. What's going to happen to you, though, takes place in verse 8. He goes on and says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He said, I'm going to empower you. I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to empower you. The Greek word there, power, is dunamis, which is the word, where we get our word dynamite from. It means a force. It means a miraculous power. And if you're taking notes, it means the explosive power of God is what it means. And so the explosive power of God, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, it'll baptize you, you'll have dunamis, the explosive power of God working inside of you. Then he says to his disciples, you're going to be empowered by this Spirit, and you're going to take this message to the entire world. Now, we look back at the book of Acts, and we could stop right there, and I think it's a fair question to ask and say, okay, why is that so important? Why is it so important to recognize the power of the Holy Spirit there with the disciples? Well, remember, he was talking to his disciples who he had been hanging out with for three years and couldn't get much right with them. They really struggled. Never one time did Jesus say to his disciples, man, you guys have such great faith, I can't believe I'm even here with you. Never had that conversation. The conversation was always over and over again, don't you guys get it? When are you going to understand what I'm teaching you? You have such little faith. I mean, Peter, he's kind of the ringleader. He's the strong leader. He said, Jesus, I'm with you all the time. I will never leave you. And then right there before the cross, three times Peter denies Jesus because of his weakness. And at the cross, after Jesus had already said, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to, going to give my life, only one of the twelve showed up. Only one of the twelve showed up. John, the others were hiding and cowering in fear. And Jesus died, he rose from the grave, and where were the fearless disciples when he returned? They were locked in a little room, scared to death of the Jewish authorities. And Jesus comes in and says, I'm here, standing right before them, and they don't believe it. And the women had told them about it, but they still didn't believe. And then there's Thomas who had heard about it, and the other ten that he was back. And Thomas said, I still don't believe even though you're standing before me. Show me your hands and feet. And Jesus is like, see the scars? Because they were weak, because they're operating in what? In their own power. Jesus looked at these very ordinary men. And he said, you are going to have power to take this message to the world. And then here we are at this moment in the year 2017 and churches all over the world are preaching the Lordship of Jesus Christ because it has spread across the world. I'll tell you now that there's only about 2,500 people groups who haven't heard the message of Christ. About 2,500. Just a few years ago, it was about 8,000. That means that message is still spreading and it means the Lord's return is near because Scripture tells us that He won't return until everyone's had a chance to hear. It's getting closer and closer because they started with the power of the Spirit and started to spread the gospel. And today we sit here as people who get a chance to hear the message of the gospel, people who are saved in Jesus Christ because of the power. And that same power is available to you and me today. It's available. He lives inside of you if you're a Christian. Time to take off the little gloves. 
Time to put down the shovel. Time to stop doing the Christian life in our own strength, going, I'm working at it, I'm working at it, I'm going to get it done, I'm going to accomplish it, and relinquish the power of yourself to Him. So today I want to share with you four distinct qualities that the power of the Holy Spirit wants to give to all believers, wants to hand to every single one of us as we're, if we're in Christ. So number one is the Holy Spirit gives you the power to share Christ boldly. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul said, My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words. In other words, Paul's saying, I'm not really that great of a speaker, but my message came with the demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but instead on God's power. Paul's saying, I don't want it to be about me. Remember, Paul had written over half the New Testament, and he started churches, and and he's guided us to this day where we're at as we read the writings of Paul and the letters of Paul. And he says, it's not about me. He said, I'm not that eloquent of a speaker. I'm just, I'm here to, to show the demonstration, the power of the Holy Spirit, what the Spirit's doing inside of me. And the Spirit is what he relied upon to do his ministry. And we can see his struggle even at times. He's like, why me? Why am I dealing with this thorn? What about this sin? He had all those kinds of struggles. And I can kind of relate with some of Paul's journey. Several years ago, I preached a sermon called Why I Shouldn't Be a Preacher. In the very early days of the church, I tried to find that message. I couldn't find it, but I remember some of the key points of it. But I look at my life and go, why am I preaching? And God and I have these conversations often. God, why am I preaching? God, why do you have me in ministry? I stop and think about it. I came from a very simple background. My dad was in the trucking business. My mom worked at McDonald's and Ford Motor Company. Neither one of them had a college education. We were highly educated. They just believed in Jesus and said, Brian, you need to follow. You need to believe in Jesus. When I was a child, I had a very bad speech impediment. I slurred my S's, went to therapy for quite a while trying to not do that. Some of you remember Happy Days in Fonzarelli. He used to turn and look and put his thumbs up and say, sit on it. You remember that? I used to go to my Uncle Fred when I was about five, six, seven, eight years old. Hey, Uncle Fred, why don't you go shh on it? Because I couldn't say my S the right way. You guys are like, did the preacher just tell that story? Yes, it's a true story. But I had a speech impediment, and you look at that, and you go, there's no way. Some of you guys are still shocked. You go, he shared that? It's real life, folks. It's real life. My wife's dying back there going, I, okay, so I passed her test. Maybe I shouldn't be a preacher because I share that kind of illustration, but... Um, High school, I wasn't that student was getting great grades. I barely had a 3.0 high school and college. I almost failed the book of Acts. Now, do you all know how important the book of Acts is to the church? I mean, and then the preacher's like, okay, let me teach you about the church. And I got by because the professor was kind enough to pass me. He said, I don't want you back in my class, so we'll make you move on. My freshman year of college, I was actually put on probation for my grades because I actually love ping pong more than I love the Bible. And that is true. I did a lot of ping pong playing up until 2 or 3 in the morning. Some of you who played ping pong with me say you need to go back to college for ping pong and start all over again. But I love playing the game of ping pong, and so I struggled. They said, Brian, no more ping pong. Let's get your grades up. I, I don't have any letters or special titles after my name. My name is Brian Bolton. That's it. There's no doctor. There's no masters. There's no divinity. There's no, it's just Brian Bolton. That's who I am. I, in college, I took one semester of preaching in college. Some of you, I know you're saying, go take a couple more, please. I understand. But that was what it did. And I look at my life and I go, why am I doing what I'm doing? My son's not in here, so I can share this illustration. He took his ACT yesterday. He's aware of this, but I didn't want to laugh at me too hard. My ACT, I got a 16. That's not a good grade. 
It's just not. I didn't, and so I, you know, I didn't go on to Eastern Michigan University. I went on to Bible college. God just... <laughs> Moral of the story, get bad grades, kid, go to Bible college. No. Um, I look at that, and I believe everything in me that... I'm not the best of the best or the smartest kid on the block, so to speak, but God can take just a very ordinary person who says, all right, Holy Spirit, you do what you want to do in me, and he can customize us, and he can speak directly in our life, and he can do in us what he's done in Paul or what he's done in Jesus, and he can do that in you. He can do it in you. That is the power of the Holy Spirit that enables us to communicate the message of Christ in a very life-transforming way. I truly believe the reason I'm in ministry, the reason why I am preaching for 20-plus years now I've been in ministry, even when I don't feel qualified, is because the Holy Spirit keeps pulling me in and giving me the power and says, you keep going. And most preachers write resonation letters on Monday, and I can tell I've never written one, but I've thought about it. And it's the Holy Spirit who says, you keep going. You keep going. I want to empower you to preach the gospel. See, you, you, you watch out this week because we're talking about the power of the Holy Spirit. You're going to be more aware this week. You're going to be thinking, I, I have that power inside of me, and I want to tell you, yes, you do. And you're going to be in a conversation this week, and the Holy Spirit's going to nudge your brain, speak Jesus right now. You have a chance to testify about me right now. You have a chance to tell somebody about Jesus. And your palms are going to get sweaty. And you're going to be wondering, do I really? I want to tell you, jump in and do it. Jump in and speak the name of Jesus and go, God, I'm leaping with you. And I want to trust you because I can tell you those are the best conversations. You go into a conversation, you're like, I don't know what I'm going to say or how I'm going to say it. But God, I'm going and I'll just have the conversation and I want to lift you up and he will empower you to do that. You'll be in the middle of a place and you'll get this missile from heaven, so to speak, that will hit you and lands in your head. And you'll be quoting Bible verses and you'll be sharing things. You'll go home and go, I said that Bible verse, is that really in there? Because it came out of you. And you'll go, that really was in Scripture. You may come to a point where you're with somebody and you're like, I need to pray for them. And in your head you're thinking, I'm not a praying person, but you offer to them, can I just pray for you? And all of a sudden you find yourself praying for somebody and you're like, I'm not a prayer warrior, but all of a sudden I'm praying for somebody and you're like, oh my goodness, how is that happening? I don't have, I'm not the person to stand up in front of a room and pray for people. In a small group, I'm the one that gets quiet. I don't go praying out loud. I, I have a hard time praying by myself, just me and God and no one's listening. And all of a sudden you find yourself praying for somebody because you felt the Spirit say, it's time to speak my name. I want you to pray for this person. You can access the exact same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead power inside of you. He's available to you. Secondly, the Holy Spirit gives you the power when you are weak. I think this section will speak to some of you. He'll give you power when you're weak. Romans 8, 26, Paul says, in the same way the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. How does he help us? He helps us in so many ways we can't even count, but one of the ways he helps us is he prays for us. Says we don't know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes, that's praise for us, with groans that words cannot express. The Holy Spirit prays when we're when we are weak, when we don't even know what to say. Here's the deal. Many of you have your little gloves on. Many of you have your shovel in hand, you're ready to mix it up, and you're really trying hard, and you're seeing very little progress because you're tapping into your power when you're weak. You're not tapping into the power of the Holy Spirit. You're in a special place when you look at God and say, Lord, help me be a parent. I don't know what to do. 
and allow the Holy Spirit to carry that kind of prayer. Or, Lord, help me to love my wife. Lord, help me to love my husband. I don't know what to do. I don't even know what to say to you, God, right now. Lord, I don't know what to say or do. Lord, I've studied, and I'm terrified to take this test. But, Lord, I'm trusting you. Lord, I want to share my faith. Really? You want me to share my faith? Okay, Lord, I'm jumping. Lord, I can't. You ever been at a point in life where you're just like, Lord, I can't? And that's your two words. That's your prayer. That's your thought of life. You know what? You're in a great spot when you say, I can't, because he can When you're saying, I can't, he's saying, I can't. I'm glad you finally got to that point where you're going to trust me. When you get to the end of your strength, that's when he begins to work. When we get to the end of our strength, the Holy Spirit is strong where we cannot be strong, and that's when he starts to do it for you. He helps us and gives us power in our weakness. Let me give you an example that I thought about as I was preparing this. Brian and I got married in August of 1994. It was between our junior and senior year of Bible college. I was serving a summer internship slash youth ministry up in Finley, Ohio, and they asked me to come back and do weekend ministry. And weekend ministry, you travel up on Friday, spend Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then go back. They asked me to do that, but I also wanted to graduate. I went to my advisor I said, I want to graduate in four years and be done by the May of 1995. And he said, Brian, you've got a long journey ahead of you. You're going to do that. You still have 40 credit hours to finish. I said, can it be done? He said, ah, with God's help, I think you can maybe do it. I said, let's set up the plan. And so we put together a plan where I would do 18 credit hours in the fall. I would do four winter hours, and I would do another 18 hours to complete my 40. But I also committed to doing a weekend ministry. Now, if you've been through college, you understand doing 18 credit hours a semester is a little bit crazy, especially when you're going to a Bible college and the reading is unreal and the study is unreal and it's overwhelming. And so my wife and I are married and we're traveling back and forth to Finley, Ohio every week at 160 miles on Friday afternoon. We were there Friday, Saturday, Sunday doing youth ministry all weekend. There wasn't time for study. Get back late on Sunday, sometimes 1 or 2 or 3 in the morning, depending on what went on that weekend, and we were trying to complete all the schooling. We got to about February or March of that last semester in the school. My, my advisor came to me and said, Brian, we've got to tell you something. We've messed up, and we're two hours short of you graduating. And as a young college student or older college student at that point, I was really kind of baffled by that. But he said, we can still get it done. We can put a plan together if you complete your two credit hours. But that means now you've got to finish 20 credit hours while you're still doing your weekend ministry. And I've got to tell you, we finished And I finished school and carried my highest GPA, nearly a 3.8 ever in my school life, doing that kind of schooling. And I look back to this day and go, Brian, how was that possible? There's only one way it was possible, because the power of the Holy Spirit working inside of me. And I got to tell you, as a 21-year-old young man, 22, I don't think I understood that. I think I was just going on whatever energy I could and whatever he was giving. But I look back and go, there was no way to do it without God's help. You may be a parent, and you're going, I don't know what to do with these kids. They're driving me crazy. We're going through some struggles right now. I'm not sure how to handle it. I want to tell you, the Holy Spirit can give you wisdom if you'll ask him. The Holy Spirit can give you the power. You may have a presentation coming up this week, and you're like, why do I have to do the presentation? I'm not the person to stand up in front of people. That makes me panic. I freeze. My voice will shake my heart. Ask the Holy Spirit. I'm weak in this area. Will you give me help? Will you give me the strength that I need? You may have a sin in your life. You had the gloves on, and you've been shoveling for so long. And you're going, I'm not getting anywhere. And I've just been shoveling and I've been shoveling, and I've been shoveling. And you continue to wrestle with the sin, and you continue to wrestle with the sin, and you continue to wrestle with the sin. 
And the Holy Spirit says, I want to give you power to overcome. Just ask. Spirit, give me the power. Spirit, I want to overcome. Spirit, I am so weak in this area, and I cannot do it on my own. Give me some people around me to help me overcome. Look what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 12. This was Paul as he was complaining about his thorn. He's like, God, I got this thorn, this pain. God, will you take it away from me? God, I don't want this thorn anymore. And Scripture says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. For where I am weak, then what? Then he is strong. And Paul realized that. Where you see weakness in you, where you see times where you're like, I've been shoveling for a long time. I'm not getting anywhere. I've been trying to make the cement forever. I'm not making any progress. Where you see weakness, that's where Christ wants to be strong. That's where the Holy Spirit can bring His power and do His work. It is the power of the Holy Spirit that will give you the power to share Christ boldly. It is the power of the Holy Spirit that will help you when you're weak. And the Holy Spirit gives you the power to have hope in a hopeless world. I think we'd probably all agree without much evidence today, I don't have to convince you that we live in a pretty hopeless world. Turn the news on for a moment, get on your social media feed for a few seconds, get on your internet, whatever it is, turn on a television and you see hopelessness surrounding all around us. I want to ask you to let the Spirit speak directly to you today. Look at Romans chapter 15. Paul said, may the God of hope fill you, fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that he, that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. What does it say? Fill you with joy and peace that will overflow, not just a tad bit, not just a little bit, but that will overflow. We had a toilet in this building that overflowed the last couple weeks and it flooded two rooms in there. God wants to flood your life. He wants to flood your life with joy and with peace and with hope. Look at it again. So that you will overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Many people today have very limited hope. Have very limited hope. For example, if we put our hope in anything besides God, our hope is going to be extremely limited. If we put our hope in ourselves, we have limited hope. We put our hope in people. Man, that's a big one. We put our hope in people. Well, this boss, this spouse, this preacher, people will let you down. Put your hope in people. It's a very limited hope. And we put our hope in circumstances. Well, when I get that job, when I get married, when I have that baby, when this happens, when that happens, that can only take us so far. Our hope is limited because it's, it's in, in a limited situation. But when you put your hope in an unlimited God, He will fill you to overflowing. The good news, you put your hope in God, He can cause you to overflow with the hope of the power of the Holy Spirit. If you're hurting today, if you're afraid today, I urge you to put your hope in God and let Him overflow in your life with joy and hope by the Spirit. Let's say you you lose your job this week. It's very possible. This morning someone told me that they, they knew someone in this church that just recently lost their job just in between services. You could lose your job tomorrow. Put your hope in God and trust that He'll be your provider. You find out that someone you love is sick. This could be the week that you get the announcement, so-and-so has cancer, so-and-so's had a heart attack, so-and-so's in a hospital. You continue to put your hope in God and let the Holy Spirit be the healer and the helper of your heart. If you find yourself worried about tomorrow, you're just unsure what's tomorrow going to bring, put your hope in God and let the Holy Spirit be your comforter. If you lose someone you love, and as much as that's going to hurt, 
We don't have to grieve like those who have no hope because we put our hope in God and the promise of the resurrection and the glory of eternity in heaven. If you're hurting today, you put your hope in God. Those who hope in anything else have a limited hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. If you're hurting today, I pray you'll take this verse, Romans 15, put it on your phone, Put it on your mirror. Write it on the door frames of your house, so to speak, as Deuteronomy talks about. Put it around you. Say, Lord, I, I want to pray that you will fill me, that you will overflow me with joy and with peace and with hope that comes by the power of your spirit. Fourth quality I want to show you today is unquestionably, I think, the most important quality. The Holy Spirit gives you the power to experience all the fullness of God. Not just a little bit of it, not just part of it, but all of it. Here's what I've noticed in our church, in our country today, and in American churches. I believe so many people have reduced Christianity down to the lowest common denominator. What I mean by that is basically Christianity for people is, I have a checklist, and as long as I checked off the list, then I'm cool, I'm good. Like, yeah, I believe in God, check. Yeah, I've committed my life to Jesus, check. Yep, I've been baptized, check. Uh, oh, I joined a church, check. Oh, I go to church every Sunday, check. Or Well, maybe not every Sunday, but at least two Sundays a month. That's good, check. I read my Bible. Oh, well, I kind of read my Bible. Well, some days I read my Bible. I at least read the Bible when it's on the screen at church, check. And we say, I've checked it all off. Well, I try to be a good person, check. See, when you look at the lives of so many Christians, what you see is something that really doesn't look much different than the rest of the world. Because we're living with just check. Look at the lives of Christians and they're still hurting, still addicted, still filled with worry, still broke, still struggling, still marriages are falling apart, still no real faith, no real victory. Why? Because there's no power. Our lives should be different in this world. We live in this world, but we're not of this world, and so there should be something that remarkably marks us different, and the thing that makes us different is how we live in step with the Spirit. So many people today don't really understand who God is and what He has for you. The Holy Spirit will give you power to experience all the fullness of God. Paul prayed for the believers in Ephesus, and I pray this for you. I pray this for our church. He prayed these words. He said, I pray that out of His glorious riches... He may strengthen you with power through the Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with, with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Paul prayed that prayer. We are filled. If you've ever wondered, is there more to Christianity there's got to be more than just not doing the bad stuff and just trying to do some of the good stuff. The answer is yes, there is so much more. So much more that God has planned for you and me. There is the reality of a constant presence of God through the Holy Spirit that you can have with you. This peace that surpasses all human ability to understand that you can manifest the fruits of the Spirit of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and self-control. That you can be led by the Spirit and walk by faith and not by sight. That you have joy that's unspeakable. That you can have a supernatural strength. That you can be rooted and established in a very 
secure love of Christ, and you can live in a supernatural life in this very natural world. You can never do it, though, on your own strength. Never. And Paul prays, I pray out of his glorious riches that he may strengthen you with power through what? Through the Spirit in your inner being. Call upon him. Call upon the Holy Spirit to fill you, to strengthen you, to comfort you, to guide you, to counsel you, to be your intercessor, to pray for you as he empowers you to live a life that you are incapable of living on your own, one that will bring glory and honor to God in heaven. Bow your heads with me. Father God, we ask your Holy Spirit would fill us, would touch us, would move freely in this place, would empower us, ordinary Christians, to live an extraordinary Spirit-filled life. Father, would you rule and reign? Would you help us to overcome our flesh and surrender fully to your power that we may please you and live for you in every way? Father, for too long, we've had the gloves put on. We've had the shovel pulled out. And Lord, we work so hard. Lord, help us to surrender. Help us to submit. Help us to let go. Help us to rely upon your spirit for all power. Help us to rely upon your spirit to be a witness for you to open our mouths and speak the name of Jesus. Help us to rely upon your spirit that when we're weak, that you are strong in us. Lord, help us to rely upon your spirit to be filled with hope.